Welcome back to Let's Get Haunted with your host, Nat Strawn and Allie. Welcome back, guys, to episode 100. And what is this one, Natalia? Is this 148? 48. Yeah, right. Wow. Welcome back, guys, to episode 148 of Let's Get Haunted. If you are new to the show and don't know how the format of our episodes work, never fear, because I'm about to explain it to you. If you don't know who we are and you don't give a shit about our personal lives, you don't give a shit about what's going on behind the scenes with the podcast, all you have to do is open up the show notes down below and the very first sentence in all caps will say skip to and then it'll give you a timestamp and you can skip to that time at any time to get straight into the episode topic today. Otherwise, Nat and I are just going to chat for a few minutes. Sometimes it's five minutes, sometimes it's 10, could be up to 30. One time we did 45 minutes. <laughs> so I highly recommend that if you do not know who we are and don't care about us, that you open up those show notes and click ahead to that timestamp. That was great. Good job. Thank you. Uh, last episode, I felt super rusty since um, the episode before that I was not on. It was Jamie replacing me as a guest, and I just totally forgot to do all the all the important housekeeping stuff that we normally do. Yeah, I um I don't attempt to do that without you at all. Not only do I think <laughs> I would get it wrong, I feel like somehow I would get it so wrong that I like deeply offend people in a, some way. I don't know. So I'd rather just be like, you know what? Didn't even try. Didn't get anyone's... <laughs> Can't disappoint if you don't try. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. I feel that in many aspects of my life. Well, Natalia, we have a lot of housekeeping to go over, actually, because you guys, if you have not heard the memo, if you don't follow us on social media, you might not be aware, but Natalia is flying into LA later this month. She moved to Atlanta at the end of last year, if for some reason you've been living under a rock and didn't <laughs> know that. And so I am very, very, very excited for her to come visit. We're going to do an LA fan meetup. Yeah. We're going to record some episodes in person person we're gonna have a our very first recorded like video recorded listener story that's in person yeah and I am so fucking pumped for that I am super excited for you to see the office I feel like the office is looking fucking cool our landlord came in here the other day they normally don't come in here because they're very busy and have like professional lives and probably secretly think that we're a disaster <laughs> uh, but one of them came in the other day uh, my favorite one. Uh, sorry if the other one's listening to this. Sorry. Um, my favorite landlord came in the other day and she was like, what the fuck? She's like, I haven't been in here in months. Like, this looks fucking cool. And I was like, I know, right? Yeah. And then I was showing her all the different angles. I was like, we've got, you know, two close-up cameras. We've got a uh, wide shot camera. We've got like, it looks like we're on the inside of like a cottage in the forest. I'm super excited about it. And I definitely think it looks better in person than in photos. So I'm very excited for you to come see this and yeah. I'm excited for us to record in person. The office I feel like is a nice or our studio rather is a nice safe haven and it looks really good. Thank you. Yeah it's very peaceful too like now that it's soundproofed I mean of course it's not perfect you could still hear a little bit of cars going by because we're on a main road but not on uh, recordings. I've been doing experiments to see like if I'm here by myself and an ambulance goes by I'll start recording and see like if I can hear it and you can't really hear it anymore like oh, it's wow. very very quiet and peaceful and yeah. and I'm excited. I'm excited for you to come see it and partake in uh, the joys because I have just been by myself here for far too long 
enjoying it by myself. And then you're like, well, can't really talk to anyone about this because nobody else is going to care. So I'm excited for you to be here. And if you guys have not gotten the memo, um, we are doing our second ever Haunty Hangout, aka Fan Meetup. It is going to be on Sunday, June 25th, and it is invite only. Mm -hmm. So that means that you're going to need to DM us with your name, and then we're just going to do a little quick vetting to make sure that you actually exist, and then we're going to send you the location and time of the meetup. So it's probably going to be somewhere either in East LA or in the San Fernando Valley. We have not decided yet. We are still looking at different venues. Yeah, and it's probably going to be around 5 p.m., might be around 4. It just depends because Nat and I are recording that day. So when we get out of recording, we will have a better idea. But once it gets closer, don't worry. I'll DM everybody the time and the location, everyone who's RSVP. You want to tell them where they need to DM us? Yeah, so you can go ahead and head over to patreon.com forward slash let's get haunted. Send us a DM and the very first word should say meetup in all caps. And that is just so that I don't miss your DM because our DMs are open on Patreon and we do sometimes get quite a few. And also there are some filters I haven't quite figured out yet. Sometimes Patreon thinks that something is spam and will like filter it into a different subcategory. And I just haven't played around with it enough to know how to make it stop doing that. Mm -hmm. So please just put meetup in all caps. And speaking of the Patreon, I would love to give a very big shout out to our patrons in the month of June. If you don't hear your name this episode, don't worry. You can go back and listen to last episode and see if you were shouted out there. If you weren't shouted out there, then just hang tight for next episode and you will surely be shouted out. But without further ado, we would love to give a big thank you to Sasha, JM, Michelle P, Taylor B, Emily Joe B, Kara B, Kara B, Chaz Moth, Crystal, Samantha M, Camille, Death by Bunny, Daniela R, Jenna M, Ross, Richard O, Ann D, Kelsey L, Jill, Kinley R, Marianne M, Amina Al M, Julia C, Jose P, Aiden T, Rhiannon R, Chloe L, The Goose, Patch, CC, Felony Melanie, Leo C, Ariel G, Sophie C, Rosemarie V, Madeline W, Mike F, Tamika J, Stephanie N, Natasha, Kwong L, Maureen H, Day, Teethman27, Chanel B, Benjamin S, Shania Z, Jackie B, Jennifer P, Christopher M, Melissa M, Cassidy M, Stacy S, Cherry D, Abby, Amy C, Jules the Ghoul, Hannah VR, Ruby V, Joey, Anne Marie T, Alonzo, Melissa S, Julie B, Manny M, Emily P, Piper J, Carrie W, Nocturnal Coffee and Fish, Troy R, Melody M, Drew G, Joy B, Marina W, Cassie R, Paige B, Allegra B, Julia K, Jessica B, Vagabond, Bro Anal, Nathan C, Cool Blues Mama, Maggie L, B, D, Eliza O, AQ617, Board and Bako, 
Brittany S. or Bordenbaco, Angela N., Hexylvania, Mel, Jamie L., Sophie C., Logan B., Alfredo S., Tony D., Yeva D., Jennifer I., Kelsey H., Topeka Kika, Mo R., Hannah S., Sunshine H., Nikita B., Kelsey K., Ed B., Chad P., Maya, Ava Z., Eva Z., Paulina, Laughing Bane, Caitlin S., Gay Nosebleeds, Kendra, Archie F., Mary Elizabeth A., Meg R., James E., Adriana B., Adriana B., Abby T., Alexis S., Amelia, Spooky Scary Tina, Ellie J., Billy R., Erica V., Nicole Z., William A., Minnie W., Emily, Danny T., Metal Pineapple, Bandit Nicole H., Maris G., Valeria V., Lobo, DiGiorno Flocka, Zach E., Ghost of 7-Eleven, Kyle Q., Amanda, Cat, Jazz and Cryptids, Valerie E., Parker L., Chucha Bajoa, Crystal D., Hannah M., Aquarius King, Sierra B., Talia D., Jacob Lobster, Mike K., Julie C., Shara, Jordan B., Sawu, Tate T., Hunt S., Clara K., Clara K., Sherry B., Penny C., Kylie, Nikki, Nicole without the H., Eunice A., Laura Z., Alexandra H., Sylvie B., Risen Wales, Kelsey C., Mika B., Micah B., Slut Pup for Huntress, Kathleen, Cassidy M, Tresca E, Nicole H, Nikki P, Kelsey S, Alan F, Al H, Lauren H, Emily T, Bradley M, Brett B, Levi, Jordan L, Michelle H, Alex S, Cheyenne E S, Kyle P, Emmy J, Ashley J, Nick C, Sal S, Uber A, Macy F, Caitlin E, Yes A, Sad Girl Shell, Sydney B, Angsty Sarah, K to the win. Carly, Tyson, V, Beatrice, Jim H, Morgan, Kate M, Zane J, Matthew L, Lisa ML, Laura Bakes, Andy, Caitlin D, 1017, Leah A, Leah E, Angela N, Kathy G, Kristen C, Jackie G, Sarah M, Taze Exotic Critters, Lauren G, Taylor, Emily H, Emmy B, British Cyborg, Jordan F, Christy H, Janani S, Roxanne S, Brianne M, Sarah D, Sage, Monica R, Jen M, Sean, Kimberly, Caitlin D, Matt M, Alexandra, Mordo Music, Haley G, Kelsey K, Andrea C, J B, Michael B, Sarah W, Mecca K, Mr. Satan, and Katie T. Thank you all so, so much for supporting the show. And if you too would like to become a patron, all you have to do is head over to patreon.com forward slash let's get haunted. We offer two subscription tiers. There is the Certified Haunty, which is tier one, and the Catfish King, which is tier two. And we post lots of really cool content. Most recently, Nat edited and posted a very heartwarming, um, equally heartwarming and equally cringy (laughs) vlog of our New York City meetup. Now, the meetup part made me tear up. Us waiting for our award made me cringe. But you know what? That's the perfect combination of Let's Get Haunted. A little bit heartwarming, a little bit sad, a little bit happy, a little bit triumphant, a little bit silly, and a little bit cringe. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. 
Yeah, you guys go on there and give it a little look. Give it a whirl. Give it a whirl. Give it a whirl. And there is much more content coming this month. For example, I will be posting a Nancy Drew reaction video because I just saw that her interactive is releasing a new Nancy Drew game. And I have been purposefully avoiding watching the preview videos because I want to do a blind react for the Patreon. I'm also, I have a Sims 4 speed build that's going to go up later this month. And now Matt, I'm sure you have a lot of content too. You know what? I don't have anything planned, but hearing you say that makes me feel like I should have something planned. So what I'm just making up right now on the spot is that <laughs> Taylor is releasing her studio album on July 7th, which is Speak Now. And this is a very important album because it's the only album where she's the sole songwriter on it. She was literally like a teenager when she wrote this entire album herself. So it's going to come out and I'm probably going to cry a lot. Maybe I should do a blind react to that. Yeah. Yeah. That would be fun. I don't know if it will be fun. It might be extremely cringe and kind of sad, like you said, but it will be uh, real. Authentic. Yeah. Yes. It'll be authentic. That, yeah. That's all you can ask for. Look, is it uh, slightly embarrassing that a grown adult woman is <laughs> making Sims 4 speed builds of uh, a fairy's hovel? Yes. 100%. But you know what? That's okay. Women are complicated and multifaceted <laughs> creatures, and we're allowed to be cringe you know. and also sometimes cool by accident, yeah. but mostly cringe. Yeah. I mean, it could be worse. Like, with our free time, we could be, like, I don't know, mailing letter bombs to people or something. That would be <laughs> terrible. So That would be terrible. Yeah, I feel like this is really harmless. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And also, very, very quickly, if you guys want to get in your fan mail for our first ever listener story recorded together in our studio, video recorded in our studio together, you need to send it this week. So the week that you are listening to this, episode go live you need to send it into p.o box 1658 camarillo california 93011 i have a pretty good pile going here and it's taken everything in my power to not unbox stuff without natalia so please send it in and we will include it on the next listener story other than that do we have any personal hauntings natalia do you have any personal hauntings this week uh no what about you nothing too exciting actually uh i can think of something that maybe we'll edit out but do you you remember the story, the tale I told of the guy I dated in college that shit his pants on a ski slope? <laughs> yeah. Who could forget? Uh, his landlord from when we were in college called me like five times and then left a bunch of voicemails what? and texted me a bunch thinking I was him. What? And keep in mind, this has been like a decade and I don't even know how that landlord got my number. That is so weird. What does this mean? Like, can we dissect this? Is this, this fraud? What is the universe trying to tell me? I feel like this is some type of fraud. Like, they, your number was put on something. I don't know. Why else would it be? Well, so the person called and left a voicemail and was like, hi, bleep out name here. It's me. I'm just calling to see how your dad's doing. Um, really wanted to check in and see how your bar is doing. What? And, you know, let me know how. And then they said the guy's roommate when we were in college, his name. Let me know how so-and-so is doing. Um, again, I've been trying to get a hold of your dad. Haven't been able to. So just let me know if he changed his number. So I'm listening to this voicemail and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, haven't even, like, other than the, telling the story of this guy shitting his pants on a ski slope, have not thought about 
or talked to this person in a decade. It sounds like for us. Um, well, but then, so then I sent it I d- to the roommate because I still like yeah. am friendly with the roommate. And he was like, what the fuck? And I was like, do you know what this person is talking about? That's when I realized it was the landlord from when they were in college. And he's like, yeah, do you remember so-and-so, our landlord? Um, do you remember the time that like there was construction going on and we were talking shit about him? And then he like overheard and it was a big deal. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, I do remember that. That's who this is. And he was like, yeah, that is so fucking weird. Like, I don't know why that happened. And I was like, well, can you forward it on to that the person they were trying to get a hold of because I no longer have that person's number. And he was like, yeah, no, no worries. I'll definitely do that. I wonder if like someone's getting sued or something. And so they're trying to contact someone that like in some way, you know, maybe his dad, I don't know. And so they're just like found like an old sheet of paper that had (laughs) his information on it. And maybe you were like an emergency reference or something. And then we're just reaching. I don't know. That's weird. Super weird. So weird. Super bizarre. Okay, well, I have like a personal haunting that I can say because I feel like it kind of goes along with yours. Yeah, yeah, do it. Do you guys, and this will be really quick because there's really no resolution to this at all. Do you guys remember a few episodes I talked about when I was working as a bottle service girl, there was a guy who came in and um, gave me his Amex and I bought that. Of course. Yeah, of course, that guy, Amex guy. How could we forget? I know, yeah. right? I don't even know why. I was just being weird. For some reason, I was like, well, maybe people forgot. Okay. Amex guy texted me on Thursday night. I was asleep because it was like a godforsaken time past 10 p.m. or something. But (laughs) texted me and was like, hey, like, what's the move on a Thursday night? And then I just saw it the next morning and I didn't say anything back. But I had the thought of like, oh, this is strange. That is strange. Is there some sort of like planetary alignment right now that's causing people from the past to come out of the woodwork? That would make sense. And then you know what was weird too is that, so that happened, got that text, didn't say anything back to that person. Someone sent an email recently where they referenced Amex guy. And so I was like, what is going on? I was like, should I text oh. him and be like, hey, how's your Amex doing? <laughs> like, what's the story on that? Uh, hey, did you ever get married? Um, what's the story on that? Is your wedding oh, yeah. canceled yet? It's July 1st, I thought, right? Wasn't it July 1st? I, it was either a one or a seven was in it, but it was definitely like beginning of July. Whoa, what if it? Ca- what if he gets married on July 7th when Taylor releases her 13th studio album? <sighs> wow. <laughs> what does it mean, guys? What does it mean, guys? Did Taylor plan this? What does this mean? So bizarre. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what any of that means. Somebody, again, I feel like for how uh, spiritual adjacent our podcast is, there should be a lot of listeners that are clairvoyant or mediums or a study like astrology that can tell us what this all means and why it is happening. Yeah. Hey, Haunties. So we are doing something a little different right now for this month's episodes. We might continue doing this through the end of the year. We hope you will be supportive, but we've decided that in an effort to expand our audience, we wanted to do some promo swaps with other podcasts that some of you have recommended to us. Sometimes when you're searching for our podcast, um, there are these features on Apple and Spotify where it's like, hey, you might also 
also enjoy this podcast. So we reached out to some of these people and we are doing some promo swaps and we have our very first promo swap of the year. Guide to the Unknown. Guide to the Unknown is a podcast about horror movies and the paranormal. Every week, siblings Kristen Anderson and Will Rogers discuss pop culture and the unexplainable from the perspective of a celebratory skeptic, Will, and a sort of believer, Kristen. Favorite episodes include a look at haunted amusement parks, listener stories, cursed thrift store purchases, and breakdowns of tons of horror video games and movies from Silent Hill to classic slashers and their remakes. New episodes come out every Friday on all major podcast apps, and there's a weekly video version of the show on youtube.com forward slash G-T-T-U-P-O-D. You can follow them on social media at G-T-T-U-P-O-D. That's Guide to the Unknown Podcast. Should we get into the episode? Absolutely. Let's fucking do it. A series of venues which serve as a permanent home for the ballet, symphony orchestra, opera, and the May Festival Chorus stand as the jewel of Ohio's performing arts. However, every gem is born from dirt and ash. This lovely host, which presents the most talented performers in the world, has an origin story with more humble, or should we say haunted, beginnings. One fine September Sunday afternoon in 1818, the 13th to be precise, a man named Jesse Embry sold a plot of land to the city of Cincinnati for $3,200. That plot of land would become home to one of the most terrifying places in America. On January 22nd, 1821, the Ohio legislature passed an act establishing, quote, a commercial hospital and lunatic asylum for the state of Ohio, end quote. The city needed a place to house the sick. The first, quote unquote, insane asylum was erected on the empty plot of land which had been acquired. Had the city planned for this location long before the act was passed? Or had the plot of land whispered words of encouragement to lawmakers begging for souls? This new commercial hospital and asylum was the parent institution for a host of other institutions, including the Cincinnati Orphanage and the city infirmary. Allie, have you ever heard of the Cincinnati Music Hall? Can you take a guess as to what it might be? No, I haven't. Sounds like a performing arts center where like maybe they have theaters or operas or or symphonies. Yes, they have all of that. So in Cincinnati, there is the Cincinnati Music Hall, which is actually like a bunch of different venues that are all sort of connected together. So there's like a ballroom and an auditorium and a place where the symphony plays and a place where the ballet goes on. And they host all kinds of different events. But I mean, this thing has been existing since the 1800s. So like with times has changed as entertainment has changed. Like obviously they weren't hosting basketball tournaments there back in 1875. Um, Or maybe they were, but I did not research that enough to be able to (laughs) tell you if they did or not. So uh, this is a 
building that has a lot of crazy history. And I was able to learn so much about Cincinnati in this episode. It's actually a fascinating place. Like I did not know anything about Cincinnati. And I'm embarrassed to say that I thought Cincinnati was like, okay, this is going to sound so dumb. I thought Cincinnati was like in the deep south because there's this song. And when my bangles lose, Lord, it puts me in a bad mood. And the Bengals is a team in Cincinnati. So for some reason, I thought Cincinnati must be in the deep south because why would this like country western music artist be supporting a team that wasn't in the deep south and it turns out that that was just my very small world view and i didn't know that cincinnati's actually in ohio which is not in the deep south at all <laughs> so did you know cincinnati was in ohio yeah okay. yeah cincinnati ohio but uh isn't don't they have the rock and roll hall of fame or yeah, something in cincinnati that. yeah i knew that yeah I haven't been to Ohio, so I really don't know much about it other than our episode on it about Ohio University, which is crazy haunted as well. I have I have some family that lives in Ohio, so that's probably why I'm a, I'm a little more familiar with uh with their cities. I'm trying to think of and, and I also know that that's Ohio is home to like a really big aerospace engineering location where allegedly some of the remains of like different UFO spaceships have oh. been taken by our government over the years. Oh, wow. And as everyone knows, I love the aliens. So mm-hmm. that also could be why I'm a little more familiar with uh, the Ohio, the state of Ohio. But I actually don't know much about Cincinnati beyond the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So I'm excited to hear about this. Yeah, it's a really fascinating city. Let me put into context kind of like the story that we're going to be talking about. We are talking about this plot of land that was purchased in 1818. And then in 1821, they put an asylum on there and they put a commercial hospital on the property as well. Now, in reference in America at that time, in 1819, there was something called the Panic of 1819. Have you ever heard of this? No. So the Panic of 1819 was referring to America's first financial crisis. Oh. This first financial crisis, which I guess is like a, a recession in some ways, lasted for only two years. And it was a result of the aftermath of the Napoleonic Wars because the global market had just been totally demolished and trade was down. So America, which had previously been um, importing and exporting lots of goods and trading with everybody essentially was now lost all of that income and and uh what's that word everyone loves to say the gdp god yeah, the gdp the gdp was down the gdp was in the shitter right um that's really interesting i feel like this is such an educational podcast low-key <laughs> because i didn't know any of that i know i had no idea I know, right? What is What were the Napoleonic Wars? Was that Napoleon, literally? Yeah. In the 1800s? Yeah, that's when he was doing, like... That's when he was doing his shit? Yes. And the only reason wow. I know this is because... Okay, if you guys ever want to learn actual history and your brain works like mine, take an art history class because you will learn mm. history in a way that's less like words and numbers and dates and more visual. Like, you'll look at a painting and you'll be like, oh, this is a Renaissance painting. The Renaissance was from this time to this time. These were the famous people who were doing, who were painting in the renaissance and it's basically like pop culture like if you like pop culture chat on reddit you will love art history chat to teach you history of the world So in 1832, there was a cholera outbreak that ravaged Cincinnati. I mean, it was all over that bitch. It ended up killing 832 people, which doesn't sound like a lot, but there wasn't that many people in Cincinnati. So like relatively, it was a lot. 
this resulted in uh, not only a lot of dead bodies, but also orphans, which is really sad. So I'm not going to talk about that too much. Yep. But they had all these bodies and they didn't know what to do with the bodies. And you know what a pauper cemetery is, right? Yeah, I I think so. Tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, I believe a pauper cemetery is where nobody had money to pay for the burial. So the state will just like bury the person either in an unmarked grave or in a grave that's marked but with a number instead of a name or something like that? Yes, that's exactly what it is. So essentially, it's unfortunate people who were deceased and they were unable to afford a traditional burial due to lack of funds or family. So it could be someone who um, just didn't have family and they died and no one claimed the body. So the government is like, well, we're not just going to like let these dead bodies stack up. We have to do something with them. So they found this plot of land, which was on the outskirts of Cincinnati at that time near the asylum and the hospital because at that time nobody wanted to be near the asylum and the hospital. People were really terrified of illness in general and they didn't understand mental illness and they just were afraid like maybe things were contagious or it was haunted. They just, you know, fear of the unknown. So what ended up happening is that they bury a lot of these unclaimed bodies on the property of the asylum and the hospital. That's really interesting. I feel like this is a a perfect recipe for some sort of fucked up haunting because you've got pre-haunted land Mm -hmm. that is now a pauper's cemetery from a time in history where there was like a crazy recession and a crazy cholera outbreak. Right. Yes. And and then the orphans, too, they didn't know where to put them. So they made like a temporary orphanage also as well. On that same land? On the same land. So it's kind of sad. You You have a lot of people who are not having the best time. Like, I'm going to assume if you're going to the hospital in 1832, it's not great. I'm going to also assume if you're going to an asylum in 1832, not great. If you're going to an orphanage in 1832, not great. Yeah. According to an article written for ABC Channel 9 News on June 21st, 2016, Quote, in response, the city built Cincinnati Orphan Asylum next to Music Hall near the corner of 12th and Elm Streets. The Orphan Asylum, a four-story building, was later called the Pest House because the hospital used it to isolate patients with infectious diseases. For 20 years, the grounds around the hospital were used to bury the homeless and those who had killed themselves. Instead of coffins, the dead were bundled and dropped into the ground, according to the book Ghost Hunting Ohio, end quote. Bundled in what? Bundled in a bundled up, just bundled and bundled. I'm like picturing like somebody wrapped in like several potato sacks with like twine and then just dumped in the ground. Oh, that's how you interpreted that? I was, yeah, I was thinking of it. It's like a bundle. Like, you know, when you buy multiple things, like I thought that they were wrapping up a bunch of dead people with ropes and then just tossing it in there. Oh, I mean, either way, that is fucking weird. That is so weird. How would you interpret this sentence, guys? Instead of coffins, comma, the dead were bundled and dropped into the ground, comma, according to the book, quote, (laughs) Ghost Hunting Ohio, end quote. I'm afraid to Google bundled dead body, so (laughs) I don't know. But I'm picturing like somebody put inside a burlap sack and then they're like feet are sticking out. So they're like, let's put another burlap sack going the opposite Hmm. direction. And then, oh, but now we've got like this middle part that is just like flapping. So let's uh, go ahead and take some twine and twine that all together and then throw it in the ground. Well, that's better than just tying a bunch of bodies together and then throwing them in the ground. So let's, let's 
let's hope that's what it was. But I mean, not great. And did you catch the pest house? Yeah. So so not only is the orphanage housing like kids that that don't have parents because their parents have died from cholera, but also anybody with infectious disease is stored in this area too? Yeah. It's basically just like all of the people that society didn't know what to do with at wow. the time. They're like, look, it's 1832. You're probably not going to get better. You're not going to get adopted. And so what do we do with you? Let's put you like really far away from everyone because we don't want to look at you because it makes us sad. When wow. I see you, I just get sad. So please go stand <laughs> far, far away from me. And help us bundle the bodies and that'll be you get a, a quarter of a shilling a day for every bundled body that you throw in the ground. A quarter of a shilling? I'm going to quit my job. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm rich. I'm going to get a job at the bundle body factory. <laughs> I didn't know that they called a place where you house people with infectious diseases pest house. It's making me think of like lice. Like, is that what we're talking about? Like somebody has lice or scabies or ringworm. And so they're like, you got to go to the pest house. A pest house was a place where people who were thought to be contagious would be stored. Mm. So during like the plague, they would call it a pest house, a cholera outbreak, pest house. But the first time I read that, I was like, I, I don't know. I just thought it was like a house full of animals or something. Yeah. I had no idea. That's kind of offensive. Like, hey, uh, through no fault of your own, you have cholera. Now you are a pest upon society and we throw right. you in the gulag and wait for you to die so we can bundle you i sorry i can't get over the image of bundled bodies yeah i know i get to go to the gulag okay <laughs> so the popper cemetery was used for 25 years until in 1857 there was a bunch of neighbors and they were like complaining that the dead were encroaching onto their neighborhood. I don't know if that's valid or not. It could be a situation of, you know, like, is that privileged for you to think that dead shouldn't? Living privilege? <laughs> yeah, that dead people shouldn't, like, encroach on your neighborhood. Check your life privilege because some people aren't even alive. So, right. you know what? I don't know. I don't know if that's valid or not. I feel like it's dead representation because we don't have enough. <laughs> There's not enough dead people on TV, you guys. We need to, <laughs> we need to dig up one of these bundled bodies, give it a podcast. <laughs> As a result of the cholera outbreak, the attitudes towards people who were suffering from poverty, mental illness, and disease were grim and very fearful, as we have talked about. So there was a series of wooden buildings that were erected to isolate the sick from everybody, and that's what we called the pest houses. People basically knew that all of this shit was haunted. Like, they didn't understand germs in the same way that we do, but, like, when they saw someone was coughing up blood, they were like, mm, that's probably haunted. Right. Like, we should stay away from this person, but we're not sure why. The hospital was also used as a Civil War hospital. So the American Civil War was happening during 1861 to 1865. So sometimes there would be Civil War soldiers who made it into that hospital oh, wow. as well. And military hospitals have a history of not having very good record keeping because war is chaotic, as we know. So we're not too sure a lot of stuff that went down during that time, but keep that in your mind for later because that will be important in the later parts of this episode. I'm filing it away. In 1859, the city took all of that land that people were complaining about that had a bunch of dead people on it and was haunted with the pest houses and the asylum and the orphanage and the infirmary. And they decided, you know what, this is just too, too haunted. So we are just going to turn it into a park. 
And that park is known today as Elm Street Park. By the way, this is very common during outbreaks and plagues, like in the aftermath. They'll a lot of times just turn old cemeteries into parks. I think we talked about this in the... um, the, the Paris Catacombs episode as well. So it's called Elm Street Park. Is this where Nightmare on Elm Street comes from? Is there like oh, a wow. housing street nearby that like has a bunch of ghosts? Who is to say? Certainly not I because Certainly I did not, not research that. So I don't know. You want to Google it? I want to say yes. It's probably not. But let's see. Google. Is Elm Street in Ohio? The Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, The movie is set on Elm Street in Springwood, Ohio. Oh, so maybe it is. Maybe. It says the house from a nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, well, that's not relevant. It's they're just talking about how it's actually a set, but it's supposed to take place on Elm Street in Springwood, Ohio. I wonder if it's like Springwood is like a fake Cincinnati. Is Springwood. Damn it. Now... Is that is that a suburb of Cincinnati? Because then it could be because this was supposed to be on like the outskirts of the town, right? Because nobody wanted to be near it. So if it's a a suburb of Cincinnati, then I could see that being the Elm Street Park. Let's see. Springwood, Ohio. Let's see. Do you guys love this podcast (laughs) of like how we utilize our time with you so well? (laughs) You know what? Okay, here we go. Yeah, it is. Springwood is is off of Cincinnati. It's right (gasps) near Cincinnati. What? So we just solved Nightmare on Elm Street? It could be. Yeah, it's super close. Unless I'm That's unless crazy. I'm like mis- googling incorrectly somehow, it looks like it's really close. <gasps> then I think that's what it is about, y'all. We just you just heard it here first wow. on Let's Get Haunted, the most well researched podcast <laughs> in the history of paranormal podcasts. <laughs> Groundbreaking wow. discovery here Groundbreaking. on LGH. Breaking. Clear a space in the trophy case because we will re- be receiving another award soon for our work. Cracking the 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 Freddy Krueger code. There was already a lot of talk about paranormal activity. So remember that the, the park was created in 1859. People, like, they didn't forget about this. They weren't just like, oh, let's just enjoy this park. Like, everyone knew that there was a bunch of dead bodies that were unclaimed under there that were perhaps disposed of unceremoniously or even unlawfully because as we know back in the day people who were abandoned or didn't have anyone to speak up for them like they were in an asylum were often mistreated so there's already talk of paranormal activity in 1869 cincinnati holds its first industrial exposition so they build even more onto what is already existing at um, structures there and i'm going to send you some pictures of this exposition hall i'm ready I don't know why everyone during this time was like obsessed with having these expositions, you know, like the World's Fair. And we talked about in the, the last episode, too. Why were they so about that life? I know. Well, OK, I have um, this is not related, sort of related. Perfect. Um, while you're getting the photos ready. So when I was in Japan, I noticed that when you are in um, cities like Tokyo, you're expected when you're like going up an escalator, for example, you're supposed to stand on the right side 
of the escalator and then people will walk by you on the left, uh, like if they're going Uh faster. And that's the opposite of what it is in the U.S. But then when you're in Osaka, you're expected to stand on the left side of the elevator and people will pass you on the right. And I couldn't figure out why. So I Googled it. And it's because Osaka had some like World's Fair at one point. And so they implemented international rules for like politeness. So and that's why it's different than everywhere else. And that's what you talking about a World Expo made me think of. That's so hard of Osaka to do that, though, to Tokyo, to just be like, in the politeness matters, actually, you guys are less polite because we're being polite to everyone in the world where you are making people in the world that aren't from Japan feel excluded. That's right. So I feel like it was like a subtle... Subtle jab. Like, hey, you might be the national hub of commerce, but we're the international (laughs) hub of commerce. (laughs) So the pictures I just sent you are of the exposition building, um, wow. and it's all wooden. Yeah. So Nat sent me two like historic drawings. They're they look like they're on like newspaper print almost, like ink drawings on right. um, yellowed paper. The first one says the exposition building, and it is a very detailed drawing of the exterior of the exposition building, and it looks like. Cincinnati like I don't really know how else to describe it like when I think of Cincinnati I think of industry that has Mm -hmm. like coal burning (laughs) I don't know why that's probably super not correct but yeah I'm seeing like a uh, three smokestacks that are emitting some sort of steam from this um, old-fashioned building that has these two columns that have the American flag on top. There's like a bridge, there's carriages, there's cobblestone pathways, there's people darting in and out of these carriage Uh, ridden streets and then the second drawing that Natalia sent me is of the interior and holy fucking shit I've never seen more people packed into one location in my life that makes me very nervous it makes me think of like crowd crushes and uh, mass shootings I don't know maybe this is American (laughs) trauma but it, it makes me very very nervous there are tons of people like I don't even know thousands upon thousands of people packed into this yeah. and it looks like it's either two or three stories tall and every I think it's two stories right and every story just is packed with people yeah so that picture is actually from the 1876 Republican convention which nominated Rutherford B. Hayes for the presidency which we talked about in uh, two episodes ago I believe when we talked about the meat rain the oh, of Kentucky yeah, yeah. 1876 meat rain so another synchronicity right there yeah. isn't that weird that is weird yeah, it's packed. I'm telling you, my palms are sweating looking at it. I I don't know. So it's funny because you were like, uh, I just think of Cincinnati as like is ha- like having like uh, being industrial and having smokestacks. I'm gonna send you some more historical oh. photos that are that are of Cincinnati that I feel like it's your the exact description oh, really? you just gave. <laughs> yeah. So these are from a little bit later, but um, I felt like because you started talking about oh, Cincinnati wow. being this industrial place that I would send you these because it's a good spot to talk about them if you want to describe them. Totally. So Nat has sent three historic photos. They are in black and white. They're a little bit grainy, as you would imagine, for a historic photo. Although this first one you sent me is surprisingly clear. Um, right. I'm, I'm sure you'll say what year these are from. 
These are actually undated. I got mm. them from a source that just has a bunch of historical photos of Cincinnati. And it was annoying because all the other ones had dates on them. And then these, it said undated. But judging off of what's in the photos and where they were in the list, I think it's somewhere in the 1860s, 1870s. Or this would have to be, yeah, like 1860s. Interesting. Um, yeah. So, I mean, look, at this point, they've got electricity. There are like pretty sophisticated telephone poles um, running along what looks to be a river. And then there is somebody who looks very dirty. Um, I don't know if it's an orphan since we've been talking about orphans. I don't know if this is like somebody that was an undesirable, quote unquote, that you were talking about that got shoved into like the poorer areas of Cincinnati. Right. Um, but yeah, it looks like there's just some some people that have literal dirt like covering their legs sitting on the rocky shores of whatever river this is that seems to be polluted. Yeah, there's definitely <laughs> <laughs> like brick buildings there. It looks old fashioned. There's some wooden buildings, some like almost like a shanty looking town in this first photo. It looks like it's just rife with chimney sweeps. Yeah, like, I know this is America, but I just consider like everyone in, in the this 1800s. picture. Yeah, to be a chimney sweep uh, or work in a mine. Yeah. And so that is what I feel like the vibe is. Yeah, if you guys want to see these photos, head over to Instagram at Let's Get Haunted. They are very cool. I love historic photos. This second one, just to describe it very quickly, um, is similar to the first one, but a little nicer area. So there's still like this black smoke emanating through the sky, but these buildings are mostly brick instead of some of them in the first photo are, are wood and kind of look shambly. Uh, this one has like iron, wrought iron, rooftop ornamentation. There's an American flag. There are some towers, a clock tower. And then in this third photo, Nat sent, it is another black and white kind of grainy photo, again, showing a river. Um, but it's cool because it's almost like a man-made river that is also a bridge, if that makes mm -hmm. any sense. And there are some like dudes standing with their hands on their hips on top of these river boats. Um, yeah. It's cool. It's old timey. I like these. These are interesting. So we are going to talk about those rivers because I didn't know this, but those are actually canals. Oh. So according to the Cincinnati Public Library, quote, Founded on the Ohio River in 1788, Cincinnati spent her early decades otherwise cut off from the rest of the country. Overland travel to the East Coast was blocked by the Appalachian Mountains, and access to the interior of the state was incredibly difficult. The region's farms were unable to get their goods to the city, and the city's workshops were unable to ship their finished goods east. The young city's future prosperity depended on an improved transportation network, it took the state legislature 20 years to secure funds and survey possible routes, but plans were eventually drawn for the building of two canals that would connect Lake Erie with the Ohio River. The Ohio and Erie Canal would run between Cleveland and Portsmouth, and Miami and Erie Canal between Toledo and Cincinnati." End quote. So they start construction on this giant canal in 1825, and it's not completed until 1845. So there's a good two decades that they're working on it. And this is just like open air, you know, to the public. You have kids playing in the construction as children love to do. Some of those photos show some of the kids kind of playing in that unfinished river. And so they're, they're constructing this thing, and then they just start finding 
bodies and pieces of bodies. And they're not sure if it has to do with the Popper Cemetery, perhaps extending beyond where they thought it was. They're not really sure what the bodies are from. But at the same time, they're like, this is not my problem. There's worse shit on the local news. I got to finish this canal and get home to my family uh, so I can spend my last three days with them before I die from an infectious disease that probably could be cured with penicillin. According to the Cincinnati Commercial, which was a newspaper that was released at the time of building the canal, quote, When the canal was cut through this soil, enriched with human remains and sewn with human bones, about a hundred skeletons had to be removed and committed to the already overcrowded place of nameless graves now covered by the buildings. That's creepy. I don't like the way they described that. They're like, the soil enriched with (laughs) human waste and uh, decorated with the bones of people. I don't know. I don't know. The way they're describing it is like too happy about it. It's too like floral. They're like, in the way that one might celebrate a race by getting flowers and screaming, we are celebrating the deceased people by throwing bones up in the air and singing. You know, it's just like they're they're trying to draw metaphors where there shouldn't be. Yeah, it should be like, hey, guys, this I'm going to say this really quickly because this is a dark part of our history. But we dug up a bunch of bones. We didn't know who they were. We threw them in a mass grave. Let's move on. Instead, this author's like, and then the fecal matter of the corpses and the degenerative flesh i don't know it's like come on let's just quickly let's get let's get through this you you think you've seen it all until you see a tiny human skull in the mother's lap underneath piles of dirt forgotten by society forgotten by even those who discovered and you're just like why are we talking the gangrenous flesh dripping off of the bones of the fallen much like the rain drips from the leaves of the grass there you go there you go that was it that was the one we were searching for good job Also, during the time that this canal was built, the population doubled. So there's this huge influx of money and people Mm. coming to the city. There's a boom going on. So it's like not the right time to talk about the body problem. Like everybody knows there's a body problem, but they're not going to talk about it. Because there's so many good things happening. Why focus on the one bad thing? Right. You know? Yeah, that makes sense. Look, we've got World's Fairs. Uh, expos happening. We've got yeah. an, a center of industry, a burgeoning canal system. We don't have time to talk about the bones of the orphans. To demonstrate this lack of stress or perhaps a uh, lack of necessity to speak about such things is that the random bodies weren't the worst thing they found in the canal. The The worst thing that they thought might have happened was there was another meat rain that happened during the construction of the canals that the people just sort of lived with. I'm going to I'm going to say that again uh for people who don't understand what I'm talking about. There was a meat rain event from the sky, flesh fell into the what? open canals. How? In 1838, there was a steamer that was called the Moselle. The Mose or Moselle? M-O-S-E-L-L. I think it's French, but who knows? I feel like everyone was trying to be French during this time. Yeah. Anyways, there was a steamer. And according to this article from the Cincinnati Commercial that was published August 29th, 
1875, when the steamer Mose in 1838, we believe, exploded her boilers above the site-present waterworks and blew the skulls and limbs and blackened trunks of her passengers all over the city so that falling bodies fell through the roofs of houses, the remains of the victims were gathered together and buried in a spot now covered by the south end of the horticultural hall. Bro. What? What? So there was an explosion and people's body parts were raining down on the neighborhood? Yeah. So that canal was kind of like a party spot, right? Like people would travel into the city from that canal, but you could also take these gondolas. You could also get on these little passenger boats. And at the time, there was the steamer that was like the biggest and the fastest at the time that was taking passengers along and everyone's just having a grand old time. But then... Uh, the thing exploded. So April 25th, 1838, the Mose left Cincinnati for St. Louis with 250 to 300 passengers. The ship's boilers exploded and everything that was in front of the paddle wheels was disintegrated. There was more than 150 people who died on board. So in 1875, when they start excavating all of these old wooden buildings, because they're planning to build this new music hall, they're finding skeletal remains, but they're not sure if these are from the explosion of the steamboat they're not sure if these are from the pauper cemetery they're not sure if these are just unclaimed bodies that were just put in a mass grave during the cholera outbreak they they just don't know where they came from and people think that perhaps it's from the steamboat so i'm gonna send you a picture that is crazy isn't it i had never heard of that that i feel like you could just end the episode right there like that is the most haunted thing i've ever heard in my life that you could just be Fixing a pot of stew in your kitchen for your, you know, 12 children that work in the coal mine. And then all of a sudden, someone's torso comes crashing down through your roof onto your Mm -hmm. dining room table. A blackened trunk. Yeah. And then years later, somebody is like tearing down that house to build this music hall. And they just find like a rib bone. Or like a femur. And they're like, well, you know, there was this meat rain explosion that happened. It could be from that. Like, oh, God. Oh, my God. Okay. So Natalia just sent me a drawing of the Moselle, the explosion of the Moselle. And wow, it, holy fuck, this person literally drew bodies flying. This is an old timey illustration with ink again. And there's like all these dudes in top hats on the shore that are like, I need to go look at my sources to remember what the name of that book that drawing came from because it's so ridiculous. So keep describing it. I'm just going to find this name really quick. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's these dudes in like top hats and coattails on the shore. One of them is on a horse and they have like their hands up to the heavens. The horse is rearing back. They're screaming. They can't believe the sight before them. And then just off the coast, there is a steamship with like one of those old timey like what is it called? It's not a paddle. It's like a water wheel thing that that it's, pushes it uh, along. A, a, we, a wheel? A, a windmill? No, what are those things called that it's like generates electricity? Water wheel? You know? A water wheel, a steamship boat wheel. A steamboat. <laughs> I'm Googling it. Steamboat wheel paddler. Paddle steamer. A paddle yeah. steamer is what I'm talking about. That sounds like a sex move. Um, and <laughs> it, it, you can see the paddles, the paddle steamer, and there's just this crazy explosion. The, the ship is like exploding in half and all of this debris and smoke is filling the air. And then there's just bodies flying 
into the sky and then there's more bodies in the ocean and there's more bodies on pieces of the ship like this is absolutely crazy go to at let's get haunted if you want to see this on instagram that is an illustration from a book called steamboat disasters and railroad accidents in the united states to which is appended accounts of recent shipwrecks fires at sea thrilling incidents etc by southworth allen holland door holland and company 1840 wow that guy was a haunty because that is a very niche, like specific thing to research and then know all the information about. It's interesting that they described it as like, and other thrilling incidents, <laughs> et cetera, like because they didn't have television back then or anything. So they're like, let me just tell you about the craziest shit you could possibly imagine. Uh, like two trains just <laughs> smashing each other going 60 miles an hour from different directions. And there was a herd of buffalo between them and just meat a spring oh. everywhere, blood. Uh, yeah, I know. It's just gross. Yeah. But, and then to think about to think about illustrating that too like when you think of an illustrator i always think of someone who's like really peaceful and like you <laughs> to know, children's books. children's yeah. books yeah exactly this is like hey can you add some more bodies <laughs> to the sky <laughs> yeah like you're on fiverr like and somebody requests they're like hey can you draw me a picture uh like for ten dollars of this steamboat disaster and then you're like all right I'm, you get one revision and you send it to the person they're like no there's not nearly enough bodies and meat in the sky can you please revise this <laughs> it's so fucked up i'm like crying though because it's just too specific it's ridiculous now remember how we were saying that they were like describing the bones enriching the soil like a little bit too flowery so that same article continues about these bones that they're finding underneath the exposition building quote not a foot of ground lies under the exposition building unoccupied by moldering bones (laughs) human bones which the ringed worms have long since tired of gnawing. Oh my God. It was, of course, natural enough that the ghost distance heard from the bed of the canal and the ghost claiming kinship with the bones disinterred to make room for the elevator should cease to rest. What? So that was like weird old-timey language where they were basically describing that. They're trying to make this elevator in the new exposition hall. And they're excavating, and they keep finding skeletal remains. And they're like, whatever, just keep going. Not a big deal. We've been finding skeletal remains in this area for uh, decades now. Exactly. But then this elevator shaft they're building literally like sinks down into the ground like several feet under and basically collapses in on itself because they realize that portions of the building were literally built on bones Holy like there's shit. not actual land and foundation under them and in some case i'm not sure how to interpret this like some of the sources say that they found and removed barrelfuls of skulls and bones <laughs> that had been placed under the floorboards so i don't know if that means like there were just barrels full of skulls and bones that were under the floorboards and then they found them and they're like, look, there's barrels of bones. Or or does that mean there was just a bunch of loose bones and they used mm. barrels to get them out and that's like their unit of measuring? I mean, e- like barrels. Full. Yeah, either way, that's extremely haunted. I'm also just like, no wonder this time in history was like the serial killer playground. You know, like you, you right. did a story on that fucking haunted guy that had the weird house in Chicago. What was his name? 
H.H. Holmes. I feel like this is the time where being an H.H. Holmes, like if you were going to be a serial killer, your your times where it was chill would be the mid 1800s <laughs> or the 1970s when everybody was like hitchhiking across America and DNA hadn't been discovered yet. Like those are the only two times in history where it's like you could get away with it. Why was everyone hitchhiking across America? Because of the, the free love movement. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Table that. Can you do another discussion on that at some point <laughs> in episode? Because I need to know more about the hitchhiking across America phenomenon of the 1970s. Yes, I'm sure it was haunted. So there's this night watchman who is standing watch, I guess, at night over all of these buildings. And he tells reporters in 1875 about all these different paranormal experiences he's Mm. having at work. He says in that same article from 1875, quote, the weirdest and strangest noises would occur at intervals all night. Rappings on the ceiling, under the floor, on the doors and windows, the sound of stealthy footfalls behind me, or of loud tramping before me, the crash of heavy timbers thrown from the ceiling, of glass, dashed upon the floor, of heavy bodies being dragged over the planking. These things never ceased except during exposition time, end quote. One night when it was snowing, the watchman claimed to hear loud knocking on the front doors. So he goes to open them. But when he does, there's nobody there, just footprints in the fallen snow. And the watchman said that although he never saw ghosts, he could feel them all the time. Quote, They never touch me, but I always know when they're around, by an icy chill, a thrill as of electricity, a feeling like what the French call goose flesh. They never annoy me now by mere knocking and rapping, for I have gotten used to it. So used to it that sometimes when people have really knocked at the door, I didn't open because I thought it was only the dead that kept knocking, knocking, knocking. End quote. Wow. The watchman claimed that in the main hall, he heard a sound that sounded like marching and also the sound of someone dragging a musket across the wooden floor. So they call in a medium and the medium also heard this. And the medium said that the sound that he was hearing across the main hall that sounded like marching and someone dragging a musket was a soldier who died in the military hospital. So... I think that this article is finally what did it. This article that came out in August of 1875, because in 1876, they decided to just demolish the exposition buildings (laughs) and just start over fresh for this new music hall. So was it ghosts or was it just like a poorly built building, right? Right. Like elevator shafts are collapsing on bones. Yeah. There is a lore that there's actually another reason why it was demolished as well, which is sort of interesting that I found. So the the roof of the original exposition halls was a tin roof. And apparently, according to this lore, in 1875, there was a May Festival chorus going on, which is like a chorus group that performs during May. And as we know, May, springtime, end of springtime, there's lots of rain. So there was a thunderstorm that picked up during the performance, and the rain hitting this tin roof was so loud that it just became impossible to hear the chorus at all. So they stopped the performance entirely. And in this audience during this rainstorm where they 
stopped the performance was this wealthy socialite named Ruben R. Springer, who at this moment decided, you know what, Cincinnati needs better structures. So in 1876, they turned the land over to the Music Hall Association and those wooden buildings were demolished. But they had, you know, people thought those buildings were super haunted. So Springer donates a bunch of money to build these new fancy buildings that are the ones that are standing today, but they're literally built on an old pauper cemetery. So I'm going to send you a picture of what they built in 1876. Yeah, it's hard. I'm like, I can't decide if this rich socialite is annoying to me or if it's a good thing that he was donating his money to infrastructure. I'm like, is it good that the stuff got torn down? I don't know. Well, I have another fact that may help you make a decision because I didn't know what to do this information either. So I just didn't include it in here because I couldn't (laughs) form an opinion about it because I just don't understand what it means. He was like, oh, yeah, we need to build new buildings. So he decides that he is going to donate a bunch of money for building the buildings as long as that it's not going to be taxed. Oh. And then he also says that the community has to be able to raise like X amount of money. And then the community wasn't able to raise X amount of money, so he just donated the rest of it to have it be built. Oh, I still don't know how I feel about yeah, it. I, I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what to do with that information either. <laughs> uh, cool, question mark? I don't know. I don't know. But this picture that Nat sent me um, is cool. Like, this is a cool building. This looks like an American Hogwarts. Yeah. There are, like, lots of spires on the roof. There are lots of chimneys. Uh, again, wrought iron ornamentation. There are... Um, like towers, like literal towers with the like triangular, steep triangular roofs. Yeah, it's cool looking. It looks brick. It, it's big. Uh, it almost yeah. looks like a cathedral. It actually was recognized as a national historic landmark oh, for wow. this distinctive Venetian Gothic architecture. Yeah, it's cool looking. Yeah, I'm going to send you some more pictures of the interior as well. Yeah, I could totally build that in The Sims. You could? Yeah, for sure. Because it's all oh, you're it's, talented. It's us- no, because it's using like preset roofs. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. The interior Nat sent is also very cool. So we have these high vaulted ceilings um, with like you know like the cool soundproofing, like not the foam panels that we have in our studio, but like right. the stuff where like when you're a fancy person and you can afford to have like arches and um, molding that is built in such a way that it does the soundproofing for you Um, and like the acoustics so that the the music bounces off the ceilings and reaches everyone and everyone's having a good time there's also this super crazy looking chandelier that makes me nervous I would not want to sit underneath that because it looks like it weighs the same amount as an elephant Um, it is huge it's huge very impressive looking again would not want to sit underneath that so this whole thing was built in 1878 so just you know picture that in your mind like I think to me everything from this period looks like it was literally built to attract ghosts like moths to a flame like the feng shui of this building is ghost supporting yes the auditorium looks like Lincoln was assassinated there like 100% 100% (laughs) yes that is very very accurate way to describe it and it is three stories of seating Um, the seats are a crimson red and uh, I'm trying to be flowery like that other person was about the bones right. in the I think you soil. should. Uh, the color of the blood of Abraham Lincoln as it drifts <laughs> over the plastic seating and onto the gold <laughs> ornamentation below. 
Yeah, it's pretty. The ceilings are covered in paintings of angels. Like it's it's a lot. It's um it's very flamboyant mm-hmm. and classic. Like when you think of like a classical ballet or like an orchestra or something, I feel like this is what what you think of. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and then Nat sent me two modern photos that are in color, and yeah, mm-hmm. it's like this beautiful orangey red burnt sienna brick. Um, and the spires and rooftops. Yep. You could definitely build that in the Sims. Um, it is like a grayish brown shingle. And then the other photo that Nat sent is of like the top of one of these columns. Oh, that's cool. It's, it's like a super ornate top of the column. I forget what, is it a cornice? I don't know what it's called, the top of a column, but, um, it has like this sculpture, like this artwork, um, carved into it of different instruments it's really cool looking you know what it looks like to me it looks like the exterior is covered in these stone music instruments for like uh, demon gargoyles who want to learn to play the trumpet it's called a capital sorry i had to google it because i couldn't remember the top of a column is called a capital yes it does look like there should be some sort of haunted gargoyle man that is ready to uh fuck your shit up so they start building this new exposition hall which we just showed the pictures of you can go to instagram at let's get haunted to see all of them and it's absolutely beautiful but people are still saying well you know this is haunted it was built on haunted land uh it's kind of sketch and some people even are going so far as to presume that it was built on top of the old exposition halls because they were haunted and they needed to get rid of them in his essay for the book cincinnati's music hall published in 1878 architect george roth notes quote the construction of music hall was fast-tracked Before the drawings were off the drafting board, demolition of the old hall, clearing of the site, which unearthed numerous graves requiring re-internment in the Spring Grove Cemetery, and the excavation work was started. This was in October of 1876, end quote. So they, he's basically saying like this whole thing was fast tracked, like before they had even finished designing the building, they were already building it. And most of these found remains that they found were moved to the Spring Grove Cemetery, but some were not. So keep remember Spring Grove Cemetery because we're going to come back to that in a second. Okay, Spring Grove. According to Cincinnati Magazine, quote, excavations in 1927 uncovered three coffins which were reburied in the basement. Another 1927 expansion uncovered 65 graves, earning that side of Music Hall the nickname of Valley of Death. Those remains were also reburied on site. In May of 1988, another elevator shaft uncovered 207 pounds of bones encased in concrete. These bones ended up in an anthropological study at the University of Cincinnati. End quote. So the place is literally built on dead bodies. And some of those were like in coffins and then reburied there. And so it just makes you think like, what the fuck is going on here? Like someone just took a straight up coffin and like put it in this building as it was being built. Why? Yeah. Like someone was pouring a concrete foundation and they were like, well, there's 270 pounds of bones here that I can see, but I'm just going to ignore that and just pour the concrete over it. Right. I mean, honestly, they almost got away with it. Yeah. (laughs) They did get away with it. I'm sure they were long dead by the point that this was discovered, right? 
I mean, what if they were one of the bones? They poured the concrete on themselves and and then laid there until they died. And then they became one with the structure of the building. I could see that. I could see like some creepy architect that's like turned on by his creations (laughs) is like, yes, yes, my masterpiece is almost complete. And then just like lays down in the wet concrete and is like just jizzing and so happy to return to the foundation as above so below (laughs) remember me that's so stupid okay (laughs) let's talk about this spring grove cemetery because what the fuck Gravekeepers at the Spring Grove Cemetery have reported feeling something grab at their legs and additionally (laughs) white wolves are rumored to patrol the cemetery and figures disappear upon being spotted. But the most reported ghost is of this guy named C.C. Brower, who was an optometrist that was buried in Spring Grove Cemetery in 1908. But the weird thing about him is that he requested that his eyes be removed posthumously and placed in glass and then put in a bust on his headstone. So on his headstone, there is a bust with extremely lifelike features that are said to follow viewers around. I'm going to show you some pictures of this because this is just so uh, uncalled for. Oh my God. How is that legal? You know what? I don't think anyone asked if it was legal. I think it just it just happened. Oh my god, that is the most haunted thing I've ever heard in my life. Okay, all right, Natalia just sent me. Oh my god, no, absolutely not. Yeah, you guys have to go to the Instagram. What the fuck? All right, we've got three photos of a very tall column-like headstone. And then, yeah, they're, oh, no. Oh, I hate this. No, Natalia. Oh, no. This is the worst vibes. <laughs> this is so bad. They're, you, oh, no. Okay. I don't know if I can even describe this without crying. There is a sculpture of a man's head that is coming out of this headstone. And then also, like, his shoulders. Uh, so you can see like his little bow tie and shit and his face. First of all, he has a very scary mustache. Um, if you have a mustache <laughs> like this, good for you, I guess. It's cool. You've made that life choice. But this is like, this is like, I don't know. And then the eyes, I don't know. Natalia, I can't describe this. These eyes are human eyes. These are like yeah. human brown eyes that it's are bloodshot. So it's like oxidized, right? So like imagine the Statue of Liberty, you know? It looks like that teal kind of color or whatever. I hate this. And then, but for some reason, the eyes are just like, they're not, they're just human. They look like human eyes. It looks like a glass eye. So some people are say, oh, it is just a glass eye. And other people are like, no, it's his eye in glass. And who is to say? Because the lore about him continues on and provides a little bit more insight into perhaps why he made this choice. Sorry, just one last thing. This statue looks like Wilford Brimley. I just figured out who it looks like. The guy from the guy from the diabetes commercials. (laughs) He looks that that guy that's like diabetes. Yes. And he has like the really like a cat. Yes. And he has the really big mustache. Like, okay, imagine Wilford Brimley, but like dressed as a cowboy, like an 1800s cowboy without the hat. That is is who this is. Okay, I'm sorry. Continue. So according to the Cincinnati city and business directories, Brower was originally a butcher. And then later in life in the 1880s or perhaps the 1890s, he became a real estate investor. 
But his mental state started to decline very heavily. And he, because of his mental state declining, he ended up falling into a lot of debt. And then he was committed to Longview Asylum. And he died a few months after he was committed to the asylum there. According to the source on findagrave.com, someone said that there are a lot of good articles in the newspapers, including Cincinnati Post on July 11th, 1908, and the Cincinnati Post from March 9th, 1908, that details this case against him for attempting to dynamite a building that he owned to collect insurance money off of it and get out of debt. There are also other stories that Brower requested these glass eyes to match his own, and he had them placed in the bronze bust that was mounted on his gravestone so that he could, quote unquote, keep an eye on things. Sorry, that like that just creeps me out. Did, wait, did you not say he was an optometrist? He was, he started as an optometrist and then, well, no. Okay. So he started as a butcher and then he became a, got into real estate and he was also an optometrist, but he was also like in declining mental state. And he also was in a lot of debt and he tried to like dynamite a building of his own. So he could have just been a crook. He could have been someone who was all of those things and was mentally ill. He could have been a crook mentally ill and a butcher and a real estate investor as well. Who the fuck knows? But there's got to be some kind of near, like nearsightedness, excuse the pun, to putting the eyes in <laughs> the bust of your gravestone. So are these his real eyes or are these glass eyes? You said they scooped his eyes out of his skull and then made glass? <laughs> no. What? I, didn't, I did not say they scooped That's his what eyes I thought. out of his skull. That's not what it you said? It was presumed. Oh. I, those words would never leave my mouth. I said that he requested his eyes be put in glass and then be put into that to be oh. removed. So we don't know if that actually happened. I mean, who's going to like take these glass eyes out and cut them open and look at uh. destroy it? Yeah, it's bad, you guys. It's really bad. Go to at Let's Get Haunted on Instagram and tell me if you're having as visceral of a reaction as I am in the comments of the photo dump for this episode. This makes me incredibly uncomfortable. Although, kind of cool if he was a butcher and a real estate investor and an optometrist. <laughs> like, that's sort of inspirational. You can really be whatever you want to be. You can. You can be whatever you want to be. To wrap this episode up, let's talk a little bit about some of the paranormal happenings that have happened in the new music hall that was finished in 1878. Fuck yeah. So in addition to a lady in white being seen dancing in the ballroom frequently, there was also a documentary released in 2005 titled Music Hall, Cincinnati Finds Its Voice, in which Patricia K. Beggs, who's the CEO of the Cincinnati Opera, is quoted as a believer in the building's being haunted. When asked if there were music hall ghosts, Patricia said definitively, quote, ghosts? Um, yes, indeed, there are music hall ghosts, end quote. There's also this guy named Eric Kunzel, who was the director for the Cincinnati Pop Symphony, and he once stated, quote, sometimes when I was arranging, getting things together, I've worked here all night long, so I've met these people, they're not in the offices, but when you go out into the house, they're there. They're upstairs. If you think I'm crazy, just come here sometime at 3 o'clock in the morning. They're very friendly, Ooh. end quote. There's also this guy named Ed Vignal, Vignale, Ed, Ed, and he's a facilities engineer, and he claims that he's never experienced anything unusual at Music Hall, and he said that perhaps people are just hearing stuff because the Music Hall's acoustic ability to project sounds. Mm. Ed, 
come on. <laughs> Ed's like, look, I work here at night. I don't want to. I'm like refusing to believe in the paranormal. Right. This is what I think it is. And this is what helps me show up to my shift day in and day out. The Cincinnati Music Hall was named by the Travel Channel as one of the most terrifying places in America. And it was also featured on the sci-fi TV show Ghost Hunters. On season nine, episode 26 of Ghost Hunters. Scott claims he has witnessed the elevator buttons lighting up when he's standing over 50 feet away from the elevator. And he also notes sometimes he's completely alone in the building and he'll hear the elevator getting called. Oh, wow. Like something's pressing a button. On that episode of Ghost Hunters, two of the ghost hunters convince a ghost to sit in a chair and then the chair moves. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you guys what happens in this episode because we're not allowed to like feature it. Yeah. But I did notice that like once I broke down into bullet points what happens in the episode it's like not that interesting but i'm gonna tell you guys anyways so on ghost hunters two hunters convince a ghost to sit in a chair and then the chair moves they set up shadow devices on the balcony and then the devices go off and they go off so intensely that it was assumed that they're broken um but it turns out they weren't broken then the ghost hunters (laughs) all right then the ghost hunters hear footsteps and a female voice and they say they see a shadow in the corner there's a man's voice that may or may not have been picked up on a recorder these are just like you had to be there moments i guess <laughs> it's so, you know what though that is so true of these ghost hunting shows because when you're watching it they put this scary music and they like cut to different angles and clips and like a shocked face and and uh you know a night vision camera and you're like ooh, this is spooky and then if you actually like think about what happened it's like nothing happened right it's like like they they zoomed in on a piece of paper exactly and then they were like did you see that so according to the cincinnati arts website quote music hall has been a popular destination for fans of contemporary artists such as frank sinatra miles davis bruce springsteen prince elton john janice joplin eric clapton bb king Bob Dylan, Pink Floyd, and Neil Young, just to name a few of the superstars who have performed here. And as if none of that were enough, the hall has a reputation as one of the country's most haunted buildings, in part due to the cemetery history of the site on which it was constructed, and in larger part to reports of strange phenomenon in and around the building. End quote. So the city really leans in to the building being haunted, and they even offer ghost tours of the building where ghost hunting devices are encouraged. So I think that's kind of interesting. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So that wraps up my episode wow. on the Cincinnati Music Hall. What do you think? I think I want to visit it. I want to go on one of these ghost tours and bring some of our ghost detecting equipment that we brought to Area 51. If you don't know what I'm talking about, okay. there's no time to explain. That's what I want to do. I think that would be really cool. And you know, it's interesting that you're covering a story in Cincinnati because somebody recently commented on one of our photo dumps saying, hey, next time you guys do a meet meet up it should be in cincinnati so really yeah this is very um serendipitous or perhaps there's a synchronicity occurring in our universe right now and that's why things are lining up that don't need to be lining up i don't know i don't know guys if you're from cincinnati and or or ohio in general and you'd like to have a haunty hangout in cincinnati leave a comment on the photo dump letting us know yeah. What if we like, um, you know how the Olympics or like uh, the World Cup will have different cities like uh, bid for them to come there? Oh, my gosh. What if yeah. what if we did that? But instead of with money, it's just like haunted things. 
Like the city yeah. of Cincinnati is like, we have this and this and this and this if you come. And then, I don't know, Austin, Texas is like, well, we've got this and this and this and this if you come. I don't think we have enough fans for that to work, but it's an interesting thought. It's an interesting thought, you guys. I am I mean, definitely comment. You know what? Actually, if you've made it this far in the episode, go to the photo dump for this episode at Let's Get Haunted on Instagram and leave a comment with the town you would like us to come to. I would be very interested yeah. in seeing which locations have the most people nearby them that would be interested in a meetup yeah yeah what if the ghosts right on there they're like oh come to like underneath the ground by this twisted <laughs> tree you know what i am fine with that any ghost can talk to me except for the ghost of this optometrist butcher whose glass eyes are in the cemetery staring from wilford brimley's face this is like i it's so haunted you guys it's the worst it's literally it's the worst thing i've ever seen what do you think about that guy? Like, do you think that that what he was in like a right state of mind when he made that request? You know, it's hard to say. Um, it's hard to say because on one hand, if I had the means to creep people out from beyond the grave, perhaps I'd do it. You know, like, hey, mm-hmm. guys, how about you erect a like sculpture of a witch's arm a disembodied witch's arm holding a candle coming out of my headstone like and then whenever people go there they're like whoa what's the story with this and like there is no story I just wanted to creep people out from beyond the grave it could be something like that so I don't know I recently heard this quote I'm gonna paraphrase it don't know if this is true or not but when Alexander the Great was buried he had like special requests for his burial and he wanted his coffin to be carried by all of the best doctors Mm. to prove that no one can stop death from taking you not even science and then he wanted all of his riches to be spread along the road towards his grave like in the street to show that no matter like how much money you make on earth you can't take it with you to the other side and then he wanted his arm to be hanging out of the coffin just dangling in the open air to show that like no matter how much you had in life when you die you'd have to die empty-handed and I don't know if this was just like a stupid Instagram post (laughs) that like was not true I did not fact check it at all but it was just kind of haunted and I couldn't forget it and then you saying that you wanted like a witch's hand to be on your grave made me think of that quote that's so you see that's what I mean I feel like the well this guy was in debt you said but I, so I don't know how he even afforded to get his eyes encased in glass and have this intricate headstone. But it seems like the more money you have, the more mischievous you get to be from beyond the grave. Because your right. requests, which are outlandish for the common man, um, get carried out when you're a rich yeah. person. So, you know, hopefully I win the lottery and everybody shoots my body out of a cannon off of a pier into the ocean when I die and I explode <laughs> in a red mist above a family of whales. But if that doesn't happen to me, my second request would be to have a witch's hand holding a candle coming out of my headstone. That's cool. What would you do? What would you do for your headstone? Um, I think my headstone needs to be just a giant horse. I was going to say a horse head. That's just yeah. like. No, I think it it needs to be like a horse, though. Like the whole tombstone mm. just needs to be like an awesome and like a statue of a horse that you can ride. That would be cool. Like the cover of um, Beyonce's album. And so then people can go take pictures with it. <laughs> like to mourn you 
people have to sit on the horse and slay and just be crying on the horse (laughs) if anyone out there feels inspired to make some fan art we haven't had fan art in a while um definitely consider drawing our our fantasy headstones yeah i want it to be art i want from the grave to make it a place where people want to come take pictures with it so maybe even like put the perfect distance away from this uh horse statue like a little peg or something on which an artist could rest their easel or you could Mm. like set up your smartphone and have it be like the perfect distance away from the horse to get like this awesome shot. I feel like that would be cool. That would be cool. And then it could become like a a landmark, a national landmark. And then people could be talking about who was this person? Like just like we're talking about this butcher optometrist real estate guy that may or may not have been a scammer. They'll be like, wait, this like cool horse sculpture, who was this woman? And we can make up some lore about you. And then they find out who I am and like 200 years later, like an angry mob comes and like tears <laughs> it down. They're like, not my fucking city. Yeah. And we're not going to have any of this paranormal horse girl, Taylor Swift bullshit yeah, here. Yeah. Wow. Well, this was a fantastic episode. Thank you, Natalia, for educating us on the m- finer, more haunted points of Cincinnati and particularly this, this location in Cincinnati, because that is crazy that this type of area exists i think it's really cool i love historical stuff i love old-timey stuff and like this i'm so interested in like day-to-day life of people from the past i want to know everything about them because they just seem like a a different species to me like their bones were smaller like they're everything about them was just so different and but um you know their brains were the same and so yeah i just want to know more about them Yeah, it is really interesting. I love the more historical episodes that we do as well, because it gives you a little glimpse into a time and place in history that you definitely didn't learn about um, in school. So yeah, thank you for educating us. Would you like to do our sign off? Sure. Um, BRB, gotta go catch some meat rain in a barrel. (laughs) Bye. Bye.